Keep up to date with all things Reading FC. Follow the Tilehurst End on Facebook and Twitter. This podcast is proudly sponsored by ZCZ Films. Remember, if you want to get involved in sponsoring the show, drop us an email to thetilehurstend at gmail.com. Hello and welcome to the Tireless and Podcast, a special episode today. During the World Cup break, there's not much football going on for Reading at the moment, so we thought we'd catch up with some old friends and see what's going on around uh, some interesting stories we've got to tell today, certainly through Jordan Holsgrove at Reading for 13 years until he made the move over to Spain and now Portugal. Jordan, pleasure to have you on the show. Hi, nice, nice to be here. Thank you. So it's, uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. A player who's had a, a really interesting Reading career and then a really interesting career since then. So uh, let's get started then with your time at Reading. And, uh, well, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? How would, you, uh, how would you describe your time at Reading in a sentence? In a sentence? Um, I would say, oof, that's a tough one, that. Uh, I would say it was the, the, best, the best 13 years of my life so far. Best in years of your life. That's quite a quite a compliment. I was expecting maybe to uh, maybe have a bit of seed of doubt in there or something. But it's interesting that you, um, even though you know it wasn't massive impact on the first team and stuff, you still mm-hmm. you still certainly enjoyed your time. Yeah, no, massively. I mean, I grew. I don't know what I would have ever done without football, and that being at a place like Reading and um, the friends I met and the time I spent training and playing, it was um, you know the thirteen years that I spent there was nothing more than than happy and and enjoying my football and enjoying my time with everyone there yeah certainly well let's go back to the start of that then you're obviously coming through Reading as quite a young kid come from a massive footballing family as uh, countless countless and uh, your uncle I believe it was played for Reading previously so as how was the uh how was the process for getting involved with uh, with Reading uh yeah no so it was, so it was my dad who played Reading and um my both my uncles played football to a pretty high level and then both kind of faded out and then my granddad as well. Yeah. But then um Reading for me was I was playing for Ascot United, um, you know, my local club. And then I uh, had a scout come, um, who my dad actually had who did know um a scout had come and I'd been scouted for Reading and Fulham at the time. Um so I was training with both of them and yeah, in the end decided to to go with Reading. Yeah, a lot of certainly Fulham was a, would have been a good option as well because there's a lot of talented players come come through Fulham and everything. What were your first impressions then? What was the you know the the facilities and everything like as you started coming through as a kid? Obviously, Reading at that point a club that had been in the Premier League and everything, and it's certainly one that had a, a lot of high hopes for the academy. Yeah, no, the the facilities are definitely very very good. You know, we had the dome um, Astro in terms in terms of training for us and then throughout the years it developed into the to the other synthetic grass behind the dome as well so we had plenty of facilities and you know also it was a big pool coming to Reading when you see a lot of the graduates coming through and making it into the first team and even though you're so young uh, it's still great to see and it still gives you high hopes for the future. Yeah what sort of first team players were you mixing with as you were coming through as a teenager then what were what were the big figures who were dropping down into the academy maybe giving a bit of advice or even getting involved in sessions? Yeah, I mean, as I was a teenager, it was kind of like, you know, Jack Stacey, Liam Kelly, Aaron Kuehl, uh, that kind of age group there was, you know, dropping back in here and there and um, learning a lot from them and hearing stories from them about what it's like up there. Yeah, for sure. And what would you say was your kind of biggest high as you were coming through the academy? There were a lot of games in the Youth Cup and Cup runs and such. You're playing against some really good uh, Premier League academies as well. What was your kind of biggest, uh, best memory from that uh, period? 
Um, yeah, I say I say from from young we all really look forward to the youth cup because we had a really strong age group and we'd always been told that we would be quite successful in the youth cup, which um, we we were, and that probably would be uh, up there with one of my best memories is the the way we were flying throughout youth cup. Unfortunately, we got disqualified due to uh, someone being too young for the team. Um, but in terms of our team and playing in the youth cup, I think it was that was probably the best for me. Uh, yeah, I remember that. It was, a, was it? You can't play a, a fifteen-year-old, is it, or fourteen-year-old, or something? And that, I mean, it shows that Reading were obviously a good academy when their fourteen, fifteen-year-olds could play against eighteen-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it gives us. We we you know we thought you know we're playing a fifteen-year-old and we're still winning games. So all well, you know, we've done all well on that. But um, no, it turns out it was the opposite, and we actually got out of tournament for it. But now to to be playing in the youth cup with boys I've grown up with since the age of seven um, it was pretty special Yeah the team that you played in that year had the likes of uh, Tom Holmes Danny Loder of course what were the the best players that you remember you were playing alongside at that point? Yeah I mean it was you know Danny Loder Ethan Tom like you say uh, um, you know I remember Jack Buchanan and um, Jazz Wallace as well and there was a lot of there was a lot of talented players um, coming through coming through with us at that time so what about the uh, the coaches that you worked under then? Were you did you work under Eamon Dolan? Was he at the club when you were there and, and at the, at the other um, Yeah, there was you know, there was a few times he was I was quite young when he was um around and you know, there were still times I came in it came in touch with him and he was um quite hopeful. I remember him always telling me one time about scanning and being with field player and scanning and checking your shoulder. So that was one big thing he always said to me. So yeah, no, I was around him here and there and some advice from him. Yeah, for sure. What about the first team managers? That um, as as you were, you know pushing towards the first team at um, your kind of last few last couple of years at Reading and stuff. What's the the managers that you dealt with? What were the ones that kind of impressed you, or any ones that maybe didn't impress you as much? Mm-hmm. Um, I think my first kind of involvement was with Yapstam, um, and he tactically, from what I saw, really impressed me and um, had a really good setup in the way he wanted to go about things. Um, and then the same with uh, Jose Gomez as well. When he came in, it seemed like, you know, tactically and everything, the way they wanted to set up um, was pretty impressive. Uh, um, but again, I do think it's um, it's difficult as a youngster, especially in England, um, to come through even with a foreign manager because the foreign manager likes to bring in foreign players um, into the English country. And especially with there being money in England, it becomes easier. Um and I think maybe I'm skipping on to the other questions here, but you know, I think that kind of um, gave me a push to to go abroad, basically. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Yapstan there as well. Is that was that a time when you felt like you were getting closer towards the first team and everything? Because I mean, we had players. Obviously, there was a lot of Dutch players coming in at that point. Um, Liam Kelly got brought through into the first team, which perhaps wasn't really expected to happen at that point. So. There was there was the a few academy players, but there was certainly a lot of academy players around then who who didn't actually go and make it, and have since actually gone on to have you know really good careers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're always hopeful when you start training with them and start getting involved that it's going to be your chance. Uh, and I do I did think at that time it, I would possibly, if if not my chance, that I would be a lot more involved. And I even remember uh, Gareth McCleary telling me a, a couple of years later saying. Um, he was really surprised after the first few training sessions we had that um, that we didn't continue training with them and having that opportunity. Um, but you know that's just how things go sometimes. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting then um, in terms of the the players, as I say, that went went on and kind of left the club. Jack Stacey, obviously yourself, has had a very good career. Players like Rob Dickey, even Dom Hyam and these guys who have had great careers. Tarek Fosser as well. What do you make of it when you see that that Reading have produced actually a load of really talented, good players, but haven't actually then gone on to have their career at Reading? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think you can put it all down to the fact, you know, that we left Reading. I think everyone's path is different. Everyone's journey is different. Um, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out at Reading. Sometimes the manager doesn't fit, the place that doesn't fit at the time, and it just makes it an easier option to, or maybe not easier, but a better option to, to leave Reading and find another path and route to, to first-team football and playing uh, week in, week out. Um, so I don't think it's a case of, you know, not being at Reading, I think you've got to look at it two ways and it being that it's it's your own path and it doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be at Reading if you're, if you're a Reading youth product. Of course, everyone wants it to be and everyone would like it to be there, um, but it's not always going to be the way it is, especially with maybe at the time if there's other players better in the position or performing better and getting more opportunity. Yeah, it's an interesting one from a fan's perspective because we kind of look at it and we think, oh, wow, amazing. If we'd have kept these guys, we could have a, a really solid, even bigger core than we do at the moment of academy players who have come through and would know the club inside out. And that would have been, you know, just as a as a kind of hypothetical, that would have been fantastic. Yeah, of course, I get it. And it makes sense. And all of us would want that as well. I know if you could ask all of those Reading Youth products if they would want the same and to be playing in the Reading first team and to have growing through that they would have loved how you took your path and it was certainly a bit of an interesting one because in 2019 it was you went on loan to open to it and then we had the pre-season in Sevilla or in um in Malaga but we played against Sevilla um and the uh, sporting director of Atletico Baleares was at the game um against Sevilla and had seen me in that game so yeah and yeah a couple of weeks after I got the call that they were interested um to take me on loan. So obviously having having been interested in Spanish football and the way it was, I was straight away really open to doing it. Teams in Spain and everything. So it's kind of a, it must be an interesting scenario that one week you're playing against, are they semi-pro at that level? The teams that are, you know, more senior and then the next week you're playing against, you know, Barcelona or Real Madrid's best crop of, of 18-year-olds. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't quite call it professional, but everyone is professional in a way. It's kind of weird how they call it. Um, so, you know, it's like a, it's a professional league, but, um, and they will get paid to, to properly, but they don't kind of class themselves as professionals. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was definitely weird. It's a definitely, it's definitely a strange division because you can come up against some, some really big teams. Like, uh, for me, when I later went on, it was, you know, against Deportivo de La Coruña, who have 20 years ago won La Liga. Um, and then, you know, a few weeks later, you're playing against the B team, um, just full of like 18 year olds. So it's very different and very weird. Um, and, you know, like I said, those teams, you can go and play in front of 12,000 and then you can play in front of 200, um, a B team stadium or something. So it's definitely a, a very strange league for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then you, um, I mean, we kind of get in towards COVID time now, don't we, as, as your career moves over to permanently to Spain. Um, and that must have been an interesting factor in it as well. But you go over to Celta Vigo, who incredibly um, well done for yourself to get a contract with the Popa La Liga team and everything. Was it obviously through Balearas that they picked you up and everything like that? How did it come about? And what were your, your first thoughts when Celta Vigo gave you the phone call? Yeah, I mean, obviously having having interest um from such a huge team was something i was you know 
quite open to and open to hearing about you know what they were interested in and everything and they kind of have the same ethics as Reading in terms of bringing young players through and that was kind of what they convinced to me as well and um, the way they wanted to do it um, so for me it was a, was a big one and yeah like I said playing in Spain is the way assuming we actually played against them and won 6-1 so I think that played a little bit of a part in it possibly in terms of moving over there but yeah no, I, I uh, was definitely excited for the opportunity to possibly play for a league club. Yeah when you go into the B team there and uh, how does it compare and you, you've been inside the academies of, of Spanish and, and English teams now both very good clubs so how do, in terms of the players what compares in terms of the lifestyle the training methods the obviously the style on the pitch what were the kind of mm-hmm. big differences and actually maybe any surprising similarities you found? Well, one one thing I will say, which I found very surprising was for me, there's a lot more talent in the English academies, you know, from playing against English academies and being in an English academy, even including Reading throughout the years, I saw a lot more talent than I did being in, um, in Celta Vigo and playing against these B teams, uh, which I was really surprised about because these are big La Liga clubs. And, you know, they have one or two talents here or there every age, every maybe one or two years. Whereas I would see it that, you know, at Reading, we had three or four nearly every age group, at least, um, that were really promising. And that was, again, another way which I saw it was like out here, um, you know, they give them that chance and they give them that extra year contract and they give them another chance. And it's already professional football as well. They're already playing against big teams and they get the opportunity as young players to prove themselves and play at a higher level. And how did you find it in terms of lifestyle then? Was the, was the the kind of training and work ethic and stuff all different? Was there with the training, as I said, about training methods? Were you were you doing sort of routines and stuff that hadn't necessarily got to English football or weren't particularly used in English football? Um, I wouldn't say it was it was too different um, the football wise and and tactics wise. Again, because we'd seen as well some foreign managers come over and they kind of bring their playing styles over, so it kind of. There's, there's similarities, you know, and we've done things before that they would do. In terms of lifestyle, that yet was different in terms of uh, eating food and stuff like that and siestas. You know, for example, away games, uh, we go to a hotel the night before and dinner's at 9 o'clock, 9.30, um, where I was used to going for dinner at 6 o'clock in England and, you know, you've got to be in your bedrooms by 9 o'clock, 9.30, but we're going for dinner at 9, 9.30. It was uh, completely different. Um, and you know, and still, even with a game, sometimes at twelve o'clock um, noon the next day, but we're still having dinner at like half nine, ten o'clock, which is completely different and something to adapt to. Yeah, definitely. That's the uh, the classic Spanish lifestyle, that isn't it? So, how was um? You made your La Liga debut, of course, on the eighth uh, of January twenty one. So after a couple of years at Celta, or about eighteen months or so, get into the get into the La Liga team. Had a few appearances in La Liga. That must have been a massive highlight for you. And and um, was that a, a was the sense of, of pride of that? Was there perhaps a sense of relief as well that it kind of had proved that moving abroad and everything had paid off? Yeah, well, no, so it actually happened within about um, four months of being there. So that was the year before was I was Baleares. And then within, yeah, about uh, yeah, four, yeah, yeah, four yeah, months, yeah. it happened quite quickly. So it was a big, it was a big jump and quite quick. And, you know, of course it was a, it was a relief. And it was also like, um, you know, like, I, I know I can do this and I know I can, I can play this level. And it was, um, nice to you know to be there and against the big team like Villarreal as well to to play it was uh well a dream come true at that moment for sure 
Yeah, for sure. And you, uh, what, what would you say more broadly then about the the benefits of going abroad, kind of on and off the pitch for yourself? And certainly off the pitch, it's uh, must have been quite an interesting one for someone who's grown up in in the UK and everything, and then going abroad it must have been a very different time. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'd always lived at home because I was lucky, I was fortunate enough um, playing for Reading that I was close enough to live at home and always lived at home. So um, moving abroad was the first time I'd ever lived alone and just things like cooking and um, stuff like that. But then you take into account that it was a whole new language as well and it wasn't just, you know, moving a few hours down the road. It was a completely different country and a completely new language. And I'm I'm not going to lie to you and say it was easy. Um, there's definitely difficult moments, but um that's something I've added to my life now as well. I can speak Spanish, so uh, that's uh, another bonus for for my life, not just genuine, genuinely football. Yes, I was going to mention how because your Portuguese picked up as well because you're now over Passos de Ferreira, so has, it's quite it's, it's similar-ish Portuguese, but there's quite a few different nuances, aren't there? Yeah, that's that's where I'm quite lucky because Portuguese is similar, and luckily I have learned Spanish, so I've got similarities there. So I can understand, you know, forty, fifty percent of Portuguese, um, and they can kind of understand me a little bit here and there. So I've kind of got a a, a jump start to again moving abroad to another country. Yeah, definitely. And also, one of the things that I find interesting as a, as a footballer in general, because you're training. I mean, I presume you trained this morning, and then you've got home, and it's you know, kind of mid afternoon just generally filling your time particularly when you've just moved to a country and everything how how did you manage to kind of do that without just kind of banging your head against the wall out of boredom almost um yeah I mean it's it's not easy again it's not easy but you kind of you find things to do and you find little hobbies and you work hard and do extras in the gym and stuff and take up extra time there and then things like learning a language is a massive one to kind of fill time and um and get there but then of course there's sometimes where you're like I can't bother any of that I just want to chill out and just do my own thing so I think it's good to like you know make make friends in the team and stuff as well and be able to go out and do things with them to to fill the time yeah and at, at Passos and also at, at Celtic and stuff how would you say it kind of the equivalent uh quality level that you find compared to English football because the Portuguese league as a few obviously really good teams, Benfica having a really good year, then you do drop off to maybe teams that wouldn't probably make it into the Premier League. Where would you say kind of pass also at and, and other teams in the in that division? Yeah, I mean, well, for us, we're we're seriously struggling at the moment. Um, not been a good start at all. Um, and yeah, no, I think it's definitely a very uh, different in terms of quality. And there's you know some teams that are really high standard and some teams that aren't quite as high of the standard which is um so it's another interesting league like the one I was in before so yeah no it's very different and very um very strange because you can't I couldn't really compare it to England and put them all into categories but uh yeah it's definitely definitely different and uh strange in a way how would you rate your own performance this season then after you know obviously still still perhaps adapting to the to the league and everything and and being inside a, a first team perhaps more than you were at Celta yeah, yeah. I mean, um, again, like I said, we're off to, not off to a good start and um, it's not been great. But in terms of myself, I managed to, you know, get myself into the team and have a few performances. Unfortunately, I then picked up an injury, which I'm just coming back from now. So uh, it's been a little bit of a bumpy start, but uh, hopefully can, you know, get going again after Christmas and really kick on. Yeah. How does it work with the uh, with the World Cup break then? So you're getting time off, is it? Are you going to be in the gym working on your recovery, maybe coming home a little bit? Yeah, so we've actually got um they've 
got another cup. So we have a, a few cup games to play in terms of that period. Uh, so we, we keep an occupied there. And then I imagine, yeah, possibly a few days off to hopefully come home and see family and friends, which will be okay. Yeah, nice. Well, well, we'll finish off then. Last few questions back on Reading, and if that sounds good to you, thanks for, yeah. for coming on today. It's been really interesting chatting to a player who's had quite a unique career path out of Reading um, compared to a lot of the other players who have left quite young. And I wanted to know who you're kind of still in contact with at the club these days, or perhaps former players who you still catch up with from Reading. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, for me, like Tom Holmes, Tom McIntyre, um, Luke Sarfield, who's out on loan now, um, you know, and then there's a there's a lot more who I'm still in contact with who have moved on to other clubs. Um, and then, you know, like coach like Jilksy, I'm still chat to here and there. So yeah, no, I've still got quite a lot of contact. There's Steve Cottrell, physio as well. Um so yeah, I've quite still got quite a lot of contacts and still quite a lot of people I speak to here and there from from Redden. For sure. And what do you make of um, the likes of Danny Loder, who's gone abroad and is also in Portugal, of course, and then Omar mm-hmm. Richards has gone away for a bit as well. What have you made of, of those guys going abroad and kind of taking a similar career path? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, they've got the balls really at the end of the day because it's it's not an easy step to do to move abroad and do something completely out of your comfort zone. So um, my full respect to them and in terms of doing it, just like I have, because uh, it's not easy. And um, as you can see, they both thrived as well in, in, in taking their steps, which is good for them. Yeah, well, so uh, Passos had Porto uh, recently. Obviously, won't dwell on too much of it being a 4-0 defeat for you guys, but you, uh, you had Danny, Danny Loder on the bench. Did you, uh, did you go up to the game? Did you catch up with him for that? Yeah, no, unfortunately, I... Uh, um, obviously just came into training um, last few days so I just just missed it in terms of getting on the bench and, and being against Danny but um, no I, I mean I keep in touch with him and for me Passos is like 20 minutes from Porto so we see each other quite a lot out here and, and go for dinner and catch up all the time so it's it's weird um, having a mate who I've grown up with playing football to live in abroad 20 minutes away uh, and play in the same league uh, but it's nice as well at the same time. Yeah, definitely. Must be a bit of a must be good for you. And then just a, a quick question on him as well. How is his his kind of progression and everything gone? Reading fans don't particularly hear much of him, obviously these days being out of Portugal. Mm-hmm. But in the Porto squad and everything, it must be a, a really exciting time. Yeah, I mean it's massive for him. I mean he's everything's just like brand new because last season he was, you know, still in Porto B. He made his debut, but was still in Porto B. And now he's a uh, a whole first team player and he's now playing Champions League and having these brand new experiences so it's like it's taken one massive step this season which is massive for him um, you know and then you know national teams come in and asking for him and stuff in terms of playing for his country and stuff which is which is huge for him so it's all a massive step and he's he's um, taken it in stride and doing really well yeah, certainly never seemed to be someone who got phased by these sort of things from what I could see out of the out on the stands and uh, on Reading, then, do you what do you uh, what do you make of the team at the moment and everything? It's been a really turbulent time, shall we say, uh, on the pitch and, and off it. So, as you you know, watch the the Paul Ince um, and Mark Bowen kind of team leading the club now. What do you kind of make of it on and off the pitch? Yeah, I mean, from from what I see and from what I hear, um, it seems to be do, be doing okay. You know, I think uh, they got off to a really good start in there, and um, and unfortunately had a little bit of a dip, but. In terms of the quality of players you've got there and uh, the, the team and the squad, it seems very decent and they seem to have a good um, good way of going about it at the moment. It's just in terms of getting those results. You know what it's like in the championship. It's very up and down. and There's so many fixtures. It can be 
can be very difficult to get a good flow and a good run of games. But um, no, I think they're doing well. And, um, uh, you know, I've, I've been carrying on watching them here and there in the championship as well. And like I say, because I've still got friends playing as well. So it's good to see them. Yeah, and the final question, and it's probably the one that is, is, is an obvious one to ask in a way, but it's always, it is always a good one to ask, is uh, what's, what's your thoughts on one day maybe returning to English football, one day Reading? Are there any countries you still might maybe want to try abroad as well? I mean, I'm yeah, I'm open to anything. I would like to one day come back to England and possibly to Reading too. It's um, definitely something I have in the back of my mind. Um, but, you know, very open in football to, to making any kind of move because you never know what's the next step. Yeah, for sure. And your your hopes for the rest of the season then with Passos is, obviously, as you say, a bit of a relegation battling at the moment. Was that kind of what you were expecting? And and for yourself, are you? I don't actually. I couldn't find necessarily how long you're kind of contracted there. But is it for the for the season? And then you just kind of focus on that. No, yeah, no, it was definitely not um, definitely not expected. For example, they were in the Europa Conference League last season, um, beat Tottenham. Um, so you know, was it? Uh, we were hoping to battle for getting into Europe again this season. So, unfortunately, it's not started that way for us. And uh, again, that's like football is. So, you know, you can't pick and choose what it's going to be like. And it is we are where we are and it's what it is. And yeah, I've got a um, three-year contract here. So, hopefully we can um, battle this out and stay in this top flight. And then we'll see where we go from there. Beautiful. Well, best of luck. And thanks very much for coming on today. Uh, it's been great talking to you. All right. Thank you very much. Be loud and be proud and back the boys and make some noise. Come on, you Oz! Shout out to this week's podcast sponsor, ZCZ Films, showing that age is no barrier to being a hooli hoop.